So I do need to make it so what I said was true. I do need to make that happen. It's just going to be in a different capacity now, you know? It's just not going to be um, as an officer. I can't see myself ever putting on that uniform again. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What up, Black and Blue fan? Welcome to the latest edition of the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale, and I'm the host. Thank you for tuning in. If you like the show and want to see more of this kind of content, go on ahead and click those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel. And if you listen to me on your favorite podcast platform, please consider rating the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And last, but certainly not least, check me out on any one of my social media pages for even more content. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so let's get to it. Now, usually the Black and Blue podcast is about sharing positive, motivating stories about minorities and law enforcement. But not every one of those stories has a fairy tale ending. And today's guest has one of those stories to tell. So Black and Blue families, welcome to the Black and Blue show. To hear her story, community advocate, Victoria Salikis. What's good? What's good with you? You did such a good job of pronouncing my name. People usually struggle with that so much. So congratulations there. <laughs> yes, yes. Many, many times uh, practicing it and, and I finally got it right. I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad I was able to, to uh, do your, your name justice and, and make sure I pronounced it right. You know, got to do you yeah. got to do you justice on that. Pay yes, respect um, on my that. Na- my last name is Greek, like he said, Victoria Salikis Greek. So you guys know, um, growing up, when they told me to sound my name out in school, that it was not a, it didn't help. Like, it doesn't start with a T. So, uh, but it right. also has been a bit for sure, because nobody ever thinks that somebody like me that is Victoria Saliki. So I definitely use it to my benefit all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Greek, what, what's the story behind that? Yeah, I'm somebody when I was at birth, I was adopted. My dad, Greek, my mom, black. So, boom, it's just been always me and this, uh, and I, my dad, me and my dad were very, very close. It was always me, this little chocolate, chocolate, uh, baby with my Greek dad who had no melanin, if you will. <laughs> I'm sure you might have had a little bit. It was just far in between. <laughs> okay. Was he like from Greece or just Greek ancestry? So from Greek ancestry from Long Island. But I mean, if you go up to him and start talking Greek, he's gonna change his accent to a Greek accent and pretend like he's like he was gonna say English words in Greek. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right. You ever had a chance to get over there to Greece? No, not yet, not yet. I did get to go to New York though, where he's from, 
he so he was so pro uh, New York. Uh, but I have yet to go to Greece, so I definitely plan to, so I can have some original baklava. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now you say you you were able to get up to Greece uh, to to check it. No, Greece, New York. But New York. Yeah, you were able to get up to New York. Where Where are you? I'm in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Dallas, the big D. Huh? Yes, and no, it's not a lot of hay, and everybody not on horse. It is some people on horses. I'm not going to lie and say we don't have our horse rides and horse trail rides. That is a popular attraction, <laughs> however. Um, yes, Triple D. <laughs> All right, so you born and raised in, in Dallas? I am. I am born and raised in Dallas, Texas, at Hamilton Park, to be exact. That's um one of the first small uh, black communities around Hamilton Park, so I'm always going to show them some love. Okay. Okay. Well, well, good for you. So, uh, in the intro there, I talked about, you know, and, and you can see on the banner there that you're a community advocate and that, uh, you know, you had a real interesting story to tell. So why don't, uh, we, we get to it and, and tell everybody a little bit about your story, a little bit about Victoria Salikis. Perfect. Had, perfect. Got it right. Okay. So, um, so I'm a, as he says, I'm a community advocate now. Initially, I was um I was a cop for six years. So um and why did I become a cop? Why do we have a lot of people become cops for several reasons, uh, certain community things of that sort. I became the cop because cops because I hated the cops. I hated them, you know. Um so when I was I'm thirty four now. When I was um eighteen I was going to pick up my keys from my dad as we all stated uh, as I stated earlier, my dad is Greek, a white man. Um, obviously black. Um, I lived on Forest Lane in Ardelia, predominantly a black neighborhood in um, in Dallas. So I'm walking up. So he accidentally takes my keys one night because he's a big rig truck driver. Um, no problem. It's like 10 o'clock at night, but I'm not worried about it. I have on sweatpants, um, a t-shirt. Um, I'm a lot more uh, feminine than I have long hair. Uh, anyway, I go up there. He's parked in the parking in a grocery store parking lot, and keep in mind it is late. It's like ten or eleven at night. Not taking anything away from that. Um, so I get on this rig, get finally get him awake, knocking on it. He wakes up, get left me, and I when I'm getting off, there's two cop cars. When I get off the truck, I'm not concerned. Um, I just get off, and they're like, "Hey, man, I want to talk to you." And I was like, "Hey," and I was like, "No problem." And they're talking. Um, I can't remember if it was two, how many other cop cars came, but more cop cars are, talk, are coming up as me and them are conversing at this point. So um, they're like, uh, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, oh, my dad actually took my keys. Um, I just came out here to get them. And they were just like, who is this really? And I was like, this is my dad. Like, what? And he was like, well, um, if I'm your dad, if that's your dad, then I'm your uncle. And I'm like, I guess, then you, I guess you're my uncle then. And keep in mind, y'all, I was 18 at this time, so um, I was not um, I, and I and I was annoyed, so I was not complying. I wasn't complying anymore at this point, anything, because I felt like I was being attacked. So now I'm like yelling at them, going back and forth. I'm like, you must be my uncle, this. So and now we're going back and forth. Anyway, now I get tackled onto the ground. My dad is like, it's because you're black, Pee Wee, and I'm like, it's no shit, Dad, no shit. Did you not be tackled? Um, so I'm tackled on the ground now. Um. Boom, and my dad, of course, has called my mom during all this chaos. I, they throw me in the back of the car. I'm listening to the conversation. I'm going to get arrested for prostitution. That's what I'm hearing. My mom comes up there and brings my ID, and they just let me go. They ain't say, sorry, ma'am, sorry for the uh, inconvenience, for any of that. It's just like, oh, my bad. And I'm like, okay, bet. 
And I'm from a predominantly black neighborhood, as I keep stating, and that's important to say because um, police relations in black neighborhoods usually aren't great. So I never, even though I had never really had a, my own personal bad encounter with them, that, that the one which was to be 18 and that'd be the first one, that's, a, that's the one that started off. So I had very distaste for the police. Was not fooling with them. I tried to stay away. Um, so then, now, um, so now. Now, now, going back before that encounter, had you ever had any other encounters with, you know, positive, you know, maybe in the schools or, you know, in the neighborhood oh. where they come up and play ball with you or say hi or, or nothing? So when I was real, real little, I'm happy you asked that. When I was probably like five, um, when I was five o'clock, when I was five years old, I remember my, uh, my uh, fake, you remember the red and yellow cars? They were, all the kids had one. Mine got stolen. I was so upset. And I remember um, my mm -hmm. mom had got me this the, the little fake phone with the numbers on it, and I said, and I, I was like, Mom, I and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I need to call the cops, not the fake cops either. I need to call the cops because somebody stole my stuff. And he's like, You can call them. So he gave me the phone. I called them. I made a report. The cops came. That was wow. five year old me. They, it was good. They gave me. I remember that cop. He gave me a music box. That was me as a kid. And I remember though after that change, I remember a little bit. I don't remember exactly what happened um, after that, but I remember um, my mom or my dad said they see you as a they see you as cute now. They see you as a threat later, but I remember them saying it very clearly. But I didn't see them as a threat until fast forward eighteen. But and that's with my own personal encounters. I watched them. I watched SWAT come and raid my neighbor's house and not find anything. I watched a lot of people get hemmed up where I was from and not go to jail. So at that time, I didn't know what that meant exactly because I didn't know what the cops were doing. I'm just assuming everybody's doing their jobs. Um, so did I have any negative encounters with them? No, not not per se. That was my first time since when I was a kid in that bike that it had to be like such one-on-one, -on -one, I got a problem yeah. with you. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, yep. <laughs> so, um, so, and I still, uh, so I've moved on with my life. Uh, I eventually end up going to job for it when I'm 24, though, uh, just because um, I felt like I needed to, I needed to crawl again. I felt like I had, I was living a really fast life. And I needed to slow down. I had been on my own since I, since my senior year in college. Um, so my parents were not there my senior year to make sure I got to school and stuff every day. That was all on me. So I just, um, I just realized I needed some, I wanted some more structure and some more discipline. So I decided to go to job for it. Uh, when I got to job court, since the ages of 16 to 24, I was around a lot of youth that were troubled, and even they didn't look at me as their peer, even though I was. I ended up becoming a, like a part of the board member. They sent me to Virginia. It ended up being a really good experience. However, it let me know that I did want to work with troubled youth, and I use the word troubled lightly because it's a lot more complicated than that, and I don't want to box mm -hmm. anybody in anywhere, but I just want to give you give you all the um, idea of the demographic that I'm talking about. So um, I knew at that point, I was like, I need to work with them, and I need to work with them, like, at this age, because this is a pivotal age, because they become, like, in, in 16 to 24, a lot of those 16-year-olds were already grown. Like, they had adult lives just by circumstances. Oh, yeah. So I think I just saw I saw a need. Um, so when I was at Job Corps, I, became, I did security. Because I didn't know what I was going to do there. I just needed to hurry up and get a trade and get out of there. But I ended up finishing the trade really fast 
but I was on the leadership board and I stayed on the leadership board because I knew that it was important and I wanted to work with those kids and it worked out. So you literally for probably about six months I was really just there just being a part of being a part of it. Um mm-hmm. so when I left um I left as I got my security license, good deal. Uh ended up working at North Park Mall, which is a, a mall a big mall here, but they work really close with the police uh police. That's when I learned about Dallas ISD Police Department. Uh, and when I initially applied with them, I was only applying to be a security guard because in my mind, in my there's no way, right? I'm like, God, I can't be the cop. It wasn't even a consideration me being the police, like for lots of reasons. So I applied mm-hmm. three times, three on three different occasions to be a security guard. They didn't each time that I applied for a security guard, they kept sending me the test to be a police bag. And I'm just looking, like, I'm thinking, like, God, like, do you know me? Have you met me? <laughs> why is this the thing? <laughs> why is this one? Why is this this the door that you have this um opening for me? Um, neither none. Obviously, I went ahead and went for it because I had prayed and said, God, you know, whatever door is for me, that's the only doors I want open. That's the only door that would open during this time when I was trying to get a different job. So I said, God, I hear you. I guess I'm about to go up, up, try to be the police. And not only did I try, I became the police. It blew my mind, and as I tell this story, it still blows my mind because I I hope everybody understands it was a, a gift from God for me to be the police. It was not right. not in my um it was never something I prayed for. It was not in my intentions. I it was I had a lot of distaste, but I also realized that I got to be in a I got to make a difference. I got to be a change. I understood if that eighteen year old girl on the corner came up to an officer like me that night, then they would not have that experience. So I immediately, I just changed my mind frame because it was what it was. I accept the job. I do the job. I was, I was proud to, I'm proud to do the job, even though, um, and even, and even within the job, it was a lot of, um, whew, a lot of times of uncomfort and th- having to do things that I didn't necessarily want to do because policy says this is what you have to do. Like these things have, mm-hmm. so it, it fits. This is what has to happen. It wasn't about my morals or my beliefs because I have signed when I signed up for that job, when I took that oath, I've taken on another set of morals and beliefs that I've said that I've that I've agreed to put above mine and before mine. Every time I put this uniform on, once again, no problem there because God gave me the job, no problem. So when I tell right. you that it, I and I did good and I, I and I and I excelled at it, I do good at it. I say that um boldly because I can. I was I, I was excellent, if you will, and that doesn't and that doesn't mean. No, um, Real quick, hmm. you mentioned it was the Dallas ISD Police Department. For for our listeners and viewers, what what department is that? What are they? That's going to be handle? Dallas Independent School District. Dallas Independent okay. School District. So out here in Dallas, um, some of the school districts, uh, some of the school districts are going to have the um, reg- the the city police in the schools. Some school districts have their own special specialized police departments. This is one of them. So Dallas. Prior to Dallas ISD, Dallas police was in the schools. Now they created their own Dallas ISD police department. So this is the department gotcha. I worked for, which uh, made perfect sense because since my job, since I had never really had a desire to um, be the police but work with youth, this was perfect, right? Because my, in my mind, my my intent is not to go in there and police the youth. That's not the job. That, that's, that doesn't even make any sense. I want to... Uh, build bridge gaps. Um, this it's it's intermittent. I get to play an intricate role in their upbringing. Now this is what I'm taking right. away. So um, 
Oh, so I get the job. Surprise. Huh, I passed police academy. Surprise. Like, just surprise. Every time I'm like, God, I am really, I am really the police. Like, you gave me a cop car and all this. I'm out here. Um. <laughs> so, Who, um, me? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, they calling me. Like, when something's happening, y'all calling me. Y'all want me to fix. Y'all are calling me to come be the one to handle it. Cool. Let's go. Uh, so I end up at this really great school in the middle of South Dallas. Um, it's off of Malcolm X, and anybody black, you know, if it's on Malcolm X, you know exactly what part of the town that that's in, and you know exactly what that demographic was. I was in the middle school. It was cool. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's in I, every city. In every city. Is it? Is yeah, that, is that so funny? Yeah. Like, we don't even have to. We don't even have to think about it. You know what it is. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So um. Uh, I I got to have got to have good experiences there. Um, but initially there, this is so. Uh, the first time I ever got into an incident, I guess you could say, they my the, the department just called me and was like you need to uh, like leave the school. Like I'm like what? Anyway, a kid had um accused me. Uh, uh, there had been an accusation of sexual assault to me against a kid. I find that out later. Nobody tells me this at all. First they just tell me you got to leave the school. You can't be around kids. Obviously, I'm concerned. This is my first year as an officer here, and if I can't be around kids, this is a problem because that's my whole job. More importantly, more than anything, please, God, let me get in front of these people, this mom, or whoever these people think these accusations are. I need to talk to them just as a person to person, despite being the police, to let them, like, because if, if it was my daughter in this accusation, I know how I would feel. So it was important that I wanted to make my peace. But nobody will let me talk. They put me on. Uh, they they just put me on nights and said they're investigating. So at that time, I'm so nervous. I'm nervous. Um, but once again, this guy reminded me. He was like, "God, you remember like this job? This job, this foreign job that doesn't make any sense to you? I gave it to you. Remember that? And I, I remember. Mm -hmm. So I, anyway, I got past that. The reason I bring that story up is because I probably um because I want I'm going to be very transparent. This entire podcast. That's the whole point. My uh I was probably in. I don't know, three IAs, Friday IAs, that was the first one. And they all came back unfounded. It's because I always do the work. I always take the risk, but I always do it right because I am willing and ready to be investigated. No problem. I'm not do I'm not gonna ever do anything that I don't mind somebody coming up to uncover. There's nothing there's no secrets here. So I just said that to say what's what type of officer I am. Like the more you put yourself out there, the more um the more likely somebody is to say something or do you say that you did something that um they didn't like or whatever the case may be and i was always right. ready and willing for that mm -hmm. right, so right. And so uh so two years so eventually i get to go back to the school that that uh gets closed um the mom actually comes and finds me and apologizes to me she was like she loves you uh um she this was it was a it was a mis a mistake she had a dream a teacher heard the dream and ran with it, ran with it. And I'm not even upset with the teacher because if I would have heard that too, I would have went to go tell something. Because once again, see something, hear something, you say something. Everybody was doing their yep. job. No problem. Mandated so, reporters, um, yep. So I uh, go ahead, uh, I do that. I'm at that school for about two years. Then community engagement opens up. Uh, it, actually, let me take that back. The department doesn't open up. They're doing a trial for it. So I do the trial. Then they do the interview for it. I win the interview. Now we have a department, community engagement department. It's only me and one other officer. But that's what I want to do. And what that's is that? Community engagement. What is that? That that is the bridge, if you will. If you could if you could think of police in the community, if you could think of them like this, 
community engagement is literally the bridge that bridges these two things together. It's a very, it's very important if done correctly, and it's that important to me. If it wasn't that important, it wouldn't be part of the six pillars, right? Uh, but so I created a lot of programs and did a lot of good work. Um, once again, six years officer. I was an officer for six years, but I was um intermediate officer. I was I was an instructor. Um, I was the president of many leadership councils. I was mayor of Star Council. I did all these things in the community. I did a lot of things that I did other things other than like the trick or treats and things of that sort. I I was very innovative in my approach. Not only innovative, I also showcased a lot. A lot of people would confuse that with me wanting clout when it was me wanting the profession to get clout because law enforcement is constantly, constantly. Just every time you turn on the uh, TV, you can guarantee a diss, if you will. Social media gave, 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 gives us all control of our own perception. So I don't expect them to put the good shows, uh, stories out there. I don't expect them to say that that officer brought those people school uniforms or that officer didn't arrest these people. I don't expect them to do that. It's, I expect mm -hmm. us to do that. So I did do that. I did do that, and I did a great job at that. Um, so that's who I was as an officer. Uh, then that program got uh, that program got uh, taken away due to uh, demand. We just needed more officers in the schools, and obviously, no matter how good a, uh, no matter how good a program is, at the end of the day, the pe people is what's important. It's, it always comes down to people. Um, and sometimes, and, and in this perfect, and in that in that case, that's very unfortunate because once again, that's something so important. Um, so I don't know why we didn't find a way to fit, keep it, but that's neither here nor there. So now, so we're at the sixth year. Um, then the pandemic happens. We're not really having to go to work. Um, so, and I always, obviously, uh, definitely try to keep my uh, personal life and my uh, professional life separate. This situation, me and my, uh, me and an ex got into, uh, got into an argument, and that was no problem. Um, uh, when I when I left out though, she said the only thing you give a damn about is your job, and I'm gonna make sure you pay for that. I'm still not thinking anything of it. I do understand. I'm like just because we got into an argument, um, just because we got into an argument, I'm like I need to tell my I need to tell I need to tell the department. I'm thinking through all of that. Wish I would have told them a little sooner. Anywho, uh, all that's fine. It happens on a Thursday or Friday. I can't exactly remember. Anyway, then the, I, I end up having to go to Ar I end up having to go pick up my niece from um, Arizona. She, my ex, was supposed to take me to help me uh, on this trip to drive out there to get it. She did. Obviously, she didn't go because we got into an argument. When I come back, my the department is like, "Hey, you need to come um, turn in your stuff." I said, uh, "They sent me this in a text message." I said, "Okay." <laughs> And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I feel like I feel like I'm about to go to jail. She was like, Why would you go to jail? And I was like, I don't know. I said, But I have a I I said I have a feeling and I know how they talk, I know how they are. I said, But it's fine. I mean, I'll go up there, uh I'll go up there. Uh so I go up there, uh go up there, turn in my uh go up there, turn in my stuff. I have my friends that take me take me. They want me to turn in my things. When I get there, the uh drug test people are there. I'm not worried about that either. Because I'm like, whatever if they're accusing me of something it would make sense that, and I turn in my stuff, I take drug tests, all that seems like proper procedure to me. And every time there was a random drug test given, I randomly was chosen for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, but, yeah, mm. I just, I had to take drug tests all the time. I just, I, I, 
that's really? just the thing for me. Yeah, I took I probably took wow. like six, 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 seven drug tests. And I know some people at that department who've never taken a drug test before. But I'm saying that to say that drug tests were norm is a norm for me. No problem. So um I go turn in my stuff, um, take the drug test. She started writing stuff and she used I take drug tests all the time. I feel like she's writing more than she would normally be writing. I said, what are you writing? And she said, um, oh, you failed. I said, I failed? I said, for what? She tells me what it's for. I'm saying what it's, I'm saying it like that because the case is still in litigation. I said, okay, but if I come out, um, this is, at this time, his name is Chief Cockle. He'd only been there a year. I mean, he hadn't been, he hadn't been even, even been there a year. He'd only been there about a week. And had come out and he's laughing. And that makes and that makes me so mad. Like I'm offended because he doesn't know me. That's why I feel like he could laugh so easily. Like okay. <laughs> so at this point, and that, and that's and that's pivotal for me because I just found out I found out some news that somebody has done something to me. Um, I come out and the people who I should be able to share that with, who I would think would help me during this time, I'm not opening my mouth to talk to them any right now either because you're laughing. What's so funny right now? I don't know who's done what. To, I don't know who who's done what right now. But what I do know is there that I had not done any drugs. That I would not have went in there and openly failed the drug test. I know that. These are things that I know for a fact. And I know that you're laughing. And I know that you think something's funny, Chief. So I'm irritated by that. I so say the chief I'm is in this interview. Home. Huh? The chief is in this interview. This interrogation or whatever. This this process. The chief is in there too. Yeah, he he comes down and he sits down there. He as I'm signing my paperwork because I'm saying I'm going to go to Dallas Police Department. So that's the city police because I know I need to go talk to them next. So I say I'm about to go over there. He was like, "Yeah, you are." Ha ha ha. And I'm just thinking like this guy. But at this point, keep in mind I'm telling the story now in hindsight because I've had a lot of time to think. At that point, at that point, I'm not having time to think. Things are just happening like. It's a flood of emotions happening to me right now. I'm just like, wow. What if I'm still having hope yeah. though? Because I still know, like, I don't. People accuse people of crimes all the time. It's no problem. But you need to do investigation, things of that sort. So it doesn't even. I'm not even worried about the accusations at this point because I understand. For reference, probably, for reference, when when is this? For reference, when is this? What year? What what the uh, time of year oh, is this? Oh, um, this we're in 2020 right now. We're in June okay. 2020. Last year, uh, uh, June 2020, uh, it was the 23rd, actually. Last year is a two-year anniversary, yeah. So um, so I go to the next police department, and I'm once again, I said I had called one of my other cop friends to take me. And she just like, what? I said, I don't know what's going on, but something's going on. <laughs> so I get to the other police department, and they bring me in there, and they're like, did you go to... um? Did you go to this girl's house? And I was like, Yeah, we got into an argument. Um, uh, she was. They were like, Well, did you? They showed me these pictures of her hand. Her hand was cut. And I was like, Yeah. She called me the next day. Told me she ended up cutting her hand on some glass. And they're like, Well, she said you cut her hand. I said, Well, I was driving out of town, so you're more than welcome to. I don't know. Get the rental car back and look up the connection of the car, you can see, like, this conversation I'm saying me and her had, her had was real. Like, no problem. I'm solving. I'm giving them things. I'm giving them everything they need because I understand we have to do an investigation. I don't have a problem with that. I'm eager to okay. do the investigation now with it. And I'm eager to do the investigation now at this point because I just found out about this drug test. 
So I understand something's happening. I'm gonna, I want us all to get to the bottom of it. Um. So me and her are talking. But anyway, the detective, the detective at some point said she put her hand on the wall. She was like, well, you're teeter-tottering around the truth. I said, teeter-tottering? I said, that would make it appear that you already knew the truth. I said, I'm going to jail, huh? She was like, yeah. I said, okay, no problem. Can I make the, can I tell my bride outside? I said, okay. So then I go to, they take me to jail. This is, I'm still like, I'm processing everything, but I'm going with, I obviously have no choice but to go with it. So now this is, uh, what time is it? It's probably, and forgive me if I get the times wrong, it's earlier in the day though. Uh, it's before, it's before three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, obviously everybody in the jail knows me. Uh, that's not, that's, that situation is what it is. The more, the process, the process, the more, the biggest part about jail which is interesting. And a lot of people are going to court. A lot of things are happening. Nothing's happening with me. I keep calling my mom. I'm like, mom, what is, what are they saying? Like, what's the charge? There's no charge. Nothing's coming up. People are going to court. People coming back from court. I said, Ma, that's not right. Like, I should be accounted for. I've been in here too long not to be accounted for. Finally, finally, well, should we, they finally take me to court. Keep in mind, I go to jail well, well before 3 o'clock. Um, I go to court probably like at 9 o'clock that evening. And it's for a second degree burglary of a habitat. I said, excuse me, Your Honor. They said, yes, second degree. I said, <laughs> I said, okay. And this person, I have all this part. I have, um, I can't do a personal bond because I'm missed the society. It's just all this stuff being said. And I'm listening to all mm -hmm. this. And I said, this is the most, like, out. But I believe out of that, obviously, everybody, my people get mad at jail immediately. But that was, once again, June 23rd, 2020. It is now today, and I have yet to see a judge yet. But what have they done, Dale? They have offered me two plea deals, but nobody has heard my story. But I've been offered two pleas. So that lets me know, Dale. Yeah, it teaches me a lot of things. Whew, as a cop, I had a lot of influence. People really listened to me. I really helped build that bridge. And I still have that influence. But what I didn't, the point, the part that I did not know, I was putting, I was thinking people were going to go to jail and get the due process. I thought things would be investigated. I thought things were, people would be doing what they need to do. Not only is that not happening, that's not happening at all. Period. So I have, I'm, it's frustrating mm -hmm. because what about, what do I tell those people who trusted me? What do I tell those, because I lied to them blatantly and I know that now because I live in that lie. And law, enfor law enforcement still is extremely important to me. Um, T call license 43-23-23. They can never take that away. They never take anything I've done for that away. And I, and I put too much work in that to let it go to waste. But it do, I do have to come up, uh, get it at a different angle now, and that's imperative because the disservice happened after the police. So I can definitely help, and I can help in that because right now we have a lot of people. It's always a lot of people, a lot of signs, songs, fuck the police, posters. And I'm like, y'all, the police yep. are doing everything that they possibly can and think that they're doing right. And I'm saying some of the police. Obviously, it's not all this bad people. There's bad people in, in all professions. We're not going to take that away. All professions, But yep. for the most part, um, police are doing are doing the best that they can. It's the process after that. So I need all the people's energy to go towards that. Stop looking at the man in the uniform because that's not the problem. It's after the uniform. What are these people doing? And in Dallas County, these people aren't doing a damn thing. And I can say that confidently because it's happening to me. It's not a story I'm reading. It's not somebody I arrested. It's something that they got wrong. 
and I and I can and I can say this once again boldly, my because my case is still in litigation, and I don't care because we need. If you're not gonna give me a chance to tell my story, I'm gonna tell it myself because we got to be held accountable. You all are holding me accountable, no problem. Who's gonna hold y'all accountable though? And it's for the people. It's bigger. It's much bigger than me because I need some. If these people, if if these people don't have any faith in somebody they had faith in, then what? Then what are we gonna have to do? Then that's a that's a lot of blood in the community we don't need. Right, right. So if you were in the in the judicial process and the litigation process, the legal process right now, uh, there's no court dates coming up. Oh, the way, so they um I just said so I just found this out. So obviously during my own case, I've um people have gave people have given a lot of money, gave me a lot of money for cancel things of that sort. Uh, but it's been a lot of years, so you run out of money, you run out of stuff. <laughs> um, yep. So right now, they the last time I went to court was in February of this year. That's the last time I had to show up to court. Once again, didn't see a judge. When I just got, when I just paid for my background, because I had to keep doing that. I've done a lot of stuff to pay for my own innocence, right? So I can be prepared. So I'm ready now. Um, I've done a lot to pay for my own innocence. So my own background says that the last court date that they have listed for me is October of last year. And that would make sense. Oh, Dale, thank you for reminding me of that. So I got arrested okay. that time in June. <laughs> so now October, I go to court that that court date. Uh, a few months passed. I think this is in November. Once again, my date might be wrong. We'll say around November. I got pulled over in Louisville. Louisville is probably 30 minutes away from Dallas. Louisville takes me to jail. They say I have a warrant for my arrest for this same thing. I say, y'all kidding me. So now I'm in jail in Louisville. This is a true story, Dale. They knock on, this is 9 o'clock in the morning. At 10 o'clock, around 10 o'clock at night, they knock on the door and say, excuse me, Mr. Alicia, we made a mistake. My lawyer forgot to turn in the court, forgot to turn in the paperwork that I went to court on October. So Louisville did arrest me, impounded my mom's car, all those things, knocked on the cell and made a mistake. Once again, all these things that I'm um, saying can all be proven because there's cameras in all these places. These things happen. Like who who when did that ever happen, Dale? You get arrested, you get unarrested because of a mistake. Right, right. So I went to jail yeah. two times because of Dallas County not doing their part. Like they haven't done anything they were supposed to do. And I don't think that I'm above the law. I cannot stress that enough. If you think that I did something, all I'm asking is that you investigate it. And nobody has done that. Nobody has done any of that. Nothing in my there's no new case file. Since the day of that arrest to now, I still have the same paperwork in there because no one had done anything. Because if they yeah. did, if we did investigate it, then the case would be closed. Once again, is why I can speak here so boldly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you said that, uh, you know, you had to, you know, of course, you know, there's a public defender and that that lawyer obviously is not do, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then they're not doing their job and trying to trying to make sure that the, the process is speeded along and that, you know, all the, all the information that they need is, is there. So you looks, sounds like from you that you had to go in ahead and spend your own money get your own attorney, get your own investigation. And then at some point you ran out of money. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm back with them again, back with this court appointed attorney, which is, um, and once again, I don't say that in a negative way because the people are arrested there. That's the people they were going to have to use. So I should not say I should not have to go in there hesitantly using the attorney that people 
that um that people constantly have to use. I shouldn't have to be do that hesitantly. But I, I see now that I do. And I see now why it's frowned upon. Because she hasn't done anything, including turning the paperwork to so I wouldn't go to jail. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Including just that. Just turning the paperwork to show to showcase that I was there. So it's this it's so it's so sad that um there's three entities here and all three of them failed on every level. And and that's somebody and they felt somebody who who did who brought benefit to them. And once again, not saying I'm better than or but it is a difference. So I'm saying if they did do that to someone they know, that concerns me for everybody they don't know. Like I just it I just had I don't trust them now. You know what I'm saying? So how am I yep. supposed to how do I help build some trust that I don't believe in? And they giving me right. time and time and time again not to trust them. And and so but I can't leave it like that. I can't just I can't just go ahead and okay, this happened to me, do what I'm gonna do to them and walk away. I can't do that because still for six years I made an oath and I promised some people some made some promises to some people and I was keen on keeping them. So I do need to make it so what I said was true. I do need to make that happen. It's just gonna be in a different capacity now, you know? It's just not gonna be um as an officer, I can't see myself ever putting on that uniform again. Um, but I also, I also yeah, even even see, even if and when you win your case, you, you can't see yourself going back, huh? No, not in that capacity. But I'll always endorse it. Like even as I told this story, um, I I uh, just now this is the first time I said everything. But even as I put it out there, about three or four people have asked me how to be an officer during this, and I still am helpful in that because good police are still necessary. That's just not what my job is going to be in the position anymore because i can't take away the fact that my voice when i wear anytime when you i wear any uniform or represent anybody i remember i'm representing them so that is going to um take my voice away a little bit and i can't be in a position where my voice is ever taken away again even this time it took me two years to speak because um i was nervous i guess once it's like they shook me Dale. like i've never had a problem with mental health i had a problem right. with that uh, I've been suicidal. My uh, people are paying for me to see a therapist now. Like my because my life changed. My life, like my life changed because of a phone call from a convicted felon. All of that, no problem. Just investigate it. You all didn't do that. You didn't give me the courtesy to investigate. And that's what I told this community and promised them and ensured them that you would do. I tell them all the time, even if they don't get it right. I say, if you're in a traffic stop. And you don't like how the officer talks to me. It's not the time to argue about it. Argue about it in court. I always tell somebody, argue mm -hmm. about it in court. It's not the time. Well, they let me know that if that ain't that's not looking too good for us either. Arguing about it in court. So I don't even know what to say to them right now. But I know I can't leave them, and I know I can't leave it how it is. Like yeah, they got to yeah. be held accountable, and I if somebody like me is the one who has to do that. Um, but it has to be something that's this long lasting because. I'm one of many stories. I have a unique story because I once was an officer as well. But, you know, when I'm sitting in that cell there, I, I remember I'm, my peers are now behind these bars, and my peers are on the outside of those bars also. My peers is all around this thing. <laughs> so God gave me that. He let me do that job, and now he gave me this unique perspective. So I have to speak up, and I have to say something about it. And I gotta and I got to try to – I got to try to help because – there is a lot of office, black officers right now doing a good job, and I want them to be able to. But they can't. You can only do as good as the system you're serving, and the system we serving in Dallas ain't good at all. 
Now, is anybody at your old department uh, or anywhere else, for that matter, kind of backing you or, you know, st- standing behind your back? Not in the least bit. The community backed me. The department uh, the department definitely hung me out to dry. Um, and that just is what it is, you know. Um, did I have some different, did I have some expectations of them? Of, of course I did, but that's silly me. Because I, it's cool when you're black and blue, but just be black again. <laughs> they gonna remind you when yeah, you're just yeah, black yeah. again. <laughs> now, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't expect the department itself, but, you know, individual officers, you know, that you worked with. Um, I mean, overall, yeah, I would say overall, those, a lot of people don't know what to say to me in their defense. So it's overall, yeah. my friends, like, they still, they love me, they support me, they've been worried. They just been waiting. They've been waiting for this moment right here, you know. Um, okay. But like, uh, yeah, but I higher up in the department, and all I would have expected from them, me failing a drug test, help me. If you think that I, if, if I'm, if I'm an addict, addict of some sort, then help me. How come nobody offered any of that? Like, I'm supposed to be family. We're a blue family, right? They told me it wasn't no family. It wasn't any family. So this family, I'm, and, I'm, and these are people who are, these are officers, they are the schools, this, this, this city. They are, and they have great, they do great community engagement. They do great programs. They do all these things perfectly. But it's all a facade when the system that you got to deal with behind that, it doesn't do anything right. Then, yeah. then don't give me another cup of coffee until I can get a, a court date within a reasonable amount of time. Criminal Code and Procedure 32 states you have 180 days to see a judge. I told you this happened two years ago. <laughs> right. Criminal Code right. and Procedure 32, 180 days. We're well past that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a lawyer. I don't have to be. <laughs> right. So... You know, 180 days, all that passed, and you still haven't gotten a court. What What are you doing now? You know, we we listed you as a community advocate. What What, what are your days like now? Well, yeah, you know, um, I I I want to get into consulting for for community engagement. Uh, I've created some programs, cop building character, um, another program, a leadership academy. Because when I was a cop, I did get to do a lot of leadership academies and things of that sort. Um, all of them didn't have, all of them weren't uh, police-based. Uh, they were a lot of, commu- but I found that I feel like we need to bridge those types of programs. So I've created a few programs like that that I'm um, working on getting getting to play. But what am I doing now? Like, I'm putting the pieces back together. Like, I finally found my voice again. Because I'm not going to lie, if they want to, like, silence somebody, this will do it. Because, like, it's scary. You know what I'm saying? Because these are the people. They, they're 911. They are who you call when you are scared. So if they're the ones scaring you, I don't know what to do. Um, and I have never felt so weak, and I have never felt so beat up. Like it definitely was a humbling experience. And I, but I thank God for it. I thank God for it. I thank God for it because it was because um because of my influence and because I was so loud with that community. And I and it, and I still am supposed to be the same loud but I have to get it right this time. So unfortunately right now, as much as I, as much as I, I want us to get better, my suggestions for how things are going to get, get better, are probably going to start making things worse. Cause it is no trust right now. I don't suggest that. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. suggest any trust with um, Dallas in, within Dallas County. And I'm speaking from my own County guys, because I can't speak for where you're from. These are all things that I can see that I can attest for. Um, it's not safe right now. And I don't suggest that you speak. 
I don't suggest that you be helpful because loyalty goes two ways. Loyalty goes two ways, Dale, and loyalty one way is stupidity. Right now, Dallas has a show, we're on First 48 right now, where it's a lot of black people solving a lot of cases because they're coming in saying, talking a lot. I mean, that's fine, no problem. But in, what, in, in return for that, what would I want from you, Dallas? What would I want from you for disrespect, for you to do your due diligence, for you to let people see the judge within 180 days? So until we can get that, then I suggest we just got to be quiet. Everybody be quiet until we can all get it right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, you know, playing devil's advocate, you know, yeah. you are out on bond. You are out on bond. Um, mm-hmm. Court dates are, you know especially with COVID and all that, you know, court mm-hmm. dates have been moved back and all that. So um, maybe logistically they can't offer you 180 days, um, but you are out on bound on bond and they, you know, they doing what they, what they need to do to make sure that your they... case is being trailed is being trailed as we call it out here in Cali. I want to say, I understand playing the devil's advocate and I hear you, but um, unfortunately, None of that's none of my problem, nor none of the citizens' problem. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people yeah. go to court, and um, a lot of people have to go to court. And what's a fact is, what a fact is, is I just got my background back, and the fact is that the last court date it states is October, and what's true is the last time I went to court is in February. So one of those things are lying. Is it the background check? Because that I have to keep paying? Because I've had to, I have had to pay and prove my innocence this whole time. They have yet to have to prove me guilty. My wife has already proven to be guilty, though. I can't even drive for Uber right now because of this. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so unfortunately, I don't give a damn about their time frames and what inconveniences have popped up for them because those same po- time frames and inconveniences have popped up for the rest of the world. But people, you've all adapted. And it get to negate your job. That's a job that you signed up for. You know what I'm saying? Respectfully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> you know, hopefully we can get your court, your court case in front of a jury in front of a judge expediently and that's probably what you need to do is uh through your attorney is make sure these things get brought before a a court as soon as possible you know push push the court push the court Uh, we need a court date this time this you know because if it's 180 days they need to they need to stick by that yeah absolutely absolutely but but you know what Dale? once again if it would have happened in 180 days, if they would have done their due diligence, if they would have done the due policy, uh, uh, I would have not known that that was not happening. I would have still been thinking, like, yeah. we're all just doing everything we can, you know, just trust the process, trust the process. Oh, no, we all trusted the process blindly. That's why nobody's here to hold their account- the process accountable. Because <laughs> yeah, nobody's yeah. trustworthy ever goes through the process, if you will. But the days have right. changed. They chose the right, they chose the right person. On the wrong day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, getting your story out there, maybe that'll kind of put shine some light on, on the justice system, at least in Dallas County. And, uh, you know, maybe some changes can take place. But, you know, the number one thing is for you to get into that court, you know, have your day in court so that you can mm-hmm. you know, try to prove your innocence. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, in that part, you know what? And some might say it's foolish of me to be so confident in that. But I am. I am confident in my innocence, and that is what's going to ultimately, that's what's going to set me free. My voice is the one that's going to have to set me free because I waited for the people who I paid, who I paid to, for their voices to speak, waited for the people who endorsed me, endorsed for them to speak, and they ain't said shit. So right. my voice is the only voice we got. <laughs> right, right, yeah. 
Well, keep up that good fight. You know, you got mm-hmm. hopefully you got some people behind you in your corner to to help you I with do. that fight. Yeah, yeah. Any anybody in the community that's kind of helping you, kind of backing you with that? Oh well, yeah. You know, um, definitely. People I met, uh, a, a lot of people I met during my time in law enforcement because I did a lot of community stuff. Uh, we had uh, Kendria Taylor. Uh, she's somebody. She was a mentor of mine. She got me on. I wanted to be on boards when I was an officer. I really wanted to be on boards for companies because that's one thing officers don't do. So I ended up being on the communities and schools board with Kendria uh, because of Kendria, their junior board. Um, so she's someone who helps. She does empathy trainings, um, and she uh, helps me. And she allows me to come and assist her with that because, as I stated, I was an instructor. Um, I get a lot of uh, help and time from the Chew Gym, um, great, great company. They're just uh, good people who just support uh, who support good people. So I do have um, I do have a the community support is just endless. You know what I'm saying? I can't even take that away. Dallas has yeah. really showed up and showed out, and that's why my my distaste with the county and how they're moving. It's just that. It's this with them. I cannot. It's important everyone understands and hears the police themselves are not the problem. Like, they're my friends, they're good people. I have so much support from them, but it's only so much that they can do, you know? <laughs> yep, absolutely. And of course, you got your family, you know, your mom's mm-hmm. sticking behind you. And I, so I, lost my, I lost my dad during this time. Um, oh, wow. I went to jail that June 23rd. Um, I lost my dad August 4th, the day before his birthday. I hadn't even been able to grieve properly because I, I, when I tell you this messed me up mentally, it messed me up mentally. I have always been strong-willed and strong-minded. This put me, this, I lost my mind, I felt like, during this time. Like, I couldn't depend, I could not get myself up. And so, let alone, like, be able to uh, grieve for my dad. So, I definitely, um. That's something I think about too, because um, I, I, I'm finally like in a space where I can accept it, where I can talk about it, where I can say it out loud. Uh, so now I do get to grieve my uh, uh, dad during that time, but his spirit definitely has been with me during this time. That's the truth, <laughs> and I and I need and I and I needed that because there was a time people couldn't get to me because I cut off my phone because I just need to be isolated because I'm just um, like God. It was like God, this is a lot. Like why do you want me to go through? So this is a lot. <laughs> I didn't know what I needed to. I didn't know what I needed from it. So his uh, his Nicholas Saliki spirit definitely with me. Absolutely, and and uh, condolences to you and your family for the loss of you know your your number one fan, your dad. Yeah, yes, he was that. Yeah. He was definitely right. that. Uh, when I got his uh, wallet back, he had a picture of me in my uniform and a patch, a Dallas ISD police patch, still. So mm. he knew. Uh, when I obviously uh, he was around when I went to jail that first time, so he but he still none of that. My dad knew me though, you know he knows me, so none of that took that away. Yeah. So he was still proud, and even for that, for his for how proud he is, I would I don't ever want to tarnish Officer T just for that reason alone, because that's somebody he was proud of, somebody he bragged about. So Officer yeah. T, uh, I took that job serious for lots of reasons, and I take this this job just as serious. That is a community advocate, just as serious, because um, it is at the base and the root of T code license forty three twenty three twenty three. Yeah. Well, what does that What does that mean? That T code license. That's our licensing out here for uh, T 
So me as an officer, that's what I would be known as. So my license is suspended oh, okay. now. But I keep bringing it up, bringing it back up, so my so that my friend, my Dallas for police, so they can understand. Like I, I, I hear y'all. I never not get to be there. No matter how mad y'all make me, it's just like family, you know. Like it doesn't matter if I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm still part of the family. I'm still <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, like part of the blue family for what, how, however, forever. Because I once did it. I can't take that away, and I would never want yeah. to. But I, I can't. But I also would. I'm also ashamed to be a part of the family I was a part of now that I know how they move. I'm ashamed in hindsight. But you live, you learn. Now we're going to get it right. You live and you learn. Yep. Well, you know, I wish you much luck in the process coming up. You know, hopefully you can get your, your day in court real soon and help prove your innocence. And then mm-hmm. uh, if, if you don't, if you don't get back in, in that uniform, uh, you know, some of your community, community advocacy, kind of help out with the with the community and 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 you know with the court system justice system all that sort of stuff absolutely i mean the uh good cops will always have an ally with me i would be foolish of me to say anything different because um yeah you you all you all do play a, a major part and i'm and i'm grateful i got to be i got to be in that part of the family with you all you know what i'm saying i get to i got to get, get to say that part i'm happy i get to say it Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Victoria Saliki. So I'm glad I got that <laughs> got that name right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. I appreciate you, Dale, and I uh, will talk absolutely. soon. I keep it- <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Keep us keep us apprised of you know how your case is going and all that over there in Dallas. All right. I will. I will. All right. All right. You take care and, and be safe out there. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. We we'll talk to you. All right. Wow. Now that was a powerful interview, straight up. I want to thank my guest today, Victoria Salikis, for sharing her story with us. I appreciate you, Victoria, and hope it all works out for you. I had no doubt that it will. If you guys out there enjoyed this conversation just like me, make sure you click that like button right down here on my YouTube channel. Or rate it five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll be back in another couple weeks with another powerful and impactful interview just like this one. Until then, come on, y'all know what to do. Stay black in blue. I'll holla at you. Deuces. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.